This is Barry Zalma speaking for Claim School Incorporated's blog, Zalma on Insurance. Today we're going to talk about one of the classic cases of he who represents himself as a fool for a client and is tempted to commit fraud and it is therefore really not nice to lie in a pleading to try to keep a suit alive. Ernest A. Davis sued a car repair shop, its manager, and his car insurance company, alleging they engaged in a ploy to damage his convertible Porsche so that he couldn't afford to repair it and another customer of the repair shop could purchase it. On appeal, he challenged the trial judge's rulings sustaining the defendant's demurs and dismissing his lawsuit in its entirety. In Ernest A. Davis versus Government Employees Insurance Company et al., the California Court of Appeal, 4th District, on August 15, 2022, resolved the dispute because the trial court had given the plaintiff four chances to plead a cause of action against the defendants, although he admitted to accrual and a suit filed after the running of the statute of limitations. Before his claims were dismissed under murder, Davis filed four complaints over the course of the litigation. For a short time to defend against the first round of demurs, Davis was represented by counsel. For the remainder of the litigation, he represented himself, as he did in the appeal. The gravamen of Davis's lawsuit is his claim that defendants and respondents, Walters Auto Sales and Service, Inc., and their manager, Conrad Castillian, collectively Walters, intentionally vandalized his 1998 Porsche 993 Series 911 Carrera Cabriolet so that they could pressure him to, into selling it to another customer. Later in the litigation, Davis added as a defendant his car insurance company, Geico, alleging they conspired with Walters to deem his car a total loss. Davis claimed that after Walters installed a new passenger compartment main wiring harness, essentially fixing the issue, they engaged in the following ploy to get him to sell his car to another customer for a salvage price. He basically alleged that Walters, after installing the new harness, then took it out. Walters then told Geico, the car could not be repaired, and Geico issued a total loss declaration, which resulted in the Department of Motor Vehicles giving the car a salvage designation. In his first amended complaint, Davis makes the same basic allegations of misconduct against Walters, but asserts a total of 12 causes of action. Like the original complaint, the first amended complaint did not name Geico as a defendant or make any allegations of wrongdoing against the insurance company, 
Rather, Davis alleged only that Geico had authorized and paid for the repairs and later had declared the car a total loss with, with the DMV in reliance on misinformation from Walters. He lost, and the court allowed him to file a second amended complaint, the SAC. The SAC asserted 16 causes of action against Walters and is 90 pages long with over 170 pages of attachment. This time, Davis named Geico as a defendant because, as he explained in his motion for leave to amend, Geico was the only entity who could restore the, his car's status with the DMV. Davis repeated the allegations that he knew based on his experience as a mechanical engineer, Walters was lying. When they told him on November 6, 2014, the parts of the top harness had melted. As for Davis's allegations against Geico in one place in the sack, he alleged Geico conspired with Walters to use misinformation to wrongly deem his car a total loss, but in multiple other places, he simply alleged that Geico deemed his car a total loss based on the misinformation provided by Walters. Walters cross-complained because they are owed $4,320 for unpaid work plus daily storage fees. Walter's demur argued, among other things, that Davis's claims were barred by the applicable three-year statute of limitations because his allegations demonstrated he knew of the alleged wrongdoing by at least January 27, 2015, Yet he didn't file his lawsuit until April of 2018, nearly three months past the deadline. Geico's demur argued Davis's claims against them failed as a matter of law and were time-barred. Walters and Geico requested oral argument on the tentative ruling, but Davis did not, and at the hearing, his then-counsel was silent during the discussion of Geico's motions, and when asked by the judge, said he had nothing to add. The judge adopted his tentative ruling, explaining he was giving Davis one more opportunity on the claims against Walters to see if he can plead around delayed discovery issues. The third amended complaint was eight pages long, mercifully, and asserted just two causes of action against Walters trespass to chattels and negligence and alleged a different theory of wrongdoing than the three previous complaints. Instead, under the heading Delayed Discovery, the TAC, the third amended complaint, alleged Davis didn't learn that removing the damaged harness was negligent until over a year and a half later in July of 2016, contradicting his earlier pleadings to avoid the statute of limitations. The judge concluded that the pleadings demonstrated the claims against Walters accrued on January 27, 2015 at the latest, and he sustained the demur with prejudice. The Courts of Appeals Review found that Davis forfeited any opposition to Geico's demur by not arguing against it and that the claims against Walters were time-barred. Unless the discovery rule applied, 
events. The climate accrues on the date of injury. The triggering event is not when Davis knew or reasonably should have suspected that he could succeed against Walters in court, that is, when he suspected Walters' ultimate liability. Rather, his claims accrued when he suspected or reasonably should have suspected that Walters had done something wrong to him and caused him injury. The statute of limitations for both trespass to chattels and negligence resulting in damage to personal property is three years. And without dispute, the allegations in Davis's first three complaints, which at the demur stage we assume, we being the court, assumes are true, revealed that he suspected wrongdoing from Walters as early as November 2014, when they told him the top harness had melted in spots. The allegations in the first three complaints show that Davis knew Walters had wronged him by January 27, 2015, at the latest. That is the day he alleged he inspected his car and discovered they had vandalized it by removing the new wiring harness they had just installed. According to Davis's own allegations, that act of sabotage made future repairs much more costly. Davis tried to avoid the import of these allegations when he drafted the third amended complaint by simply deleting them. But a party may not avoid the defects of a prior complaint either by omitting the facts that rendered the complaint defective or by pleading facts inconsistent with the allegations of prior pleadings. In such cases, a trial judge is permitted to treat the prior pleadings as true and disregard the subsequent contrary allegations. Davis had multiple opportunities to amend his pleadings to explain why his claims were not time-barred. Therefore, without question, the judgment was affirmed and Davis lost. Now, in my opinion, it is strange to see a plaintiff alleging he was the victim of a fraud to attempt to save a time-barred lawsuit in his fourth attempt by pleading a lawsuit where he fraudulently changed the date of accrual of his claim. The California Court of Appeal refused to fall from his scheme. This video was adapted from my blog, Zalma on Insurance, which is available free to anyone who cares, at www.zalma.com blog. It is also part of my locals community and on Substack. Please subscribe. You'll find it useful, and you may also wish to subscribe to the paid version of my locals community where you can obtain videos uh, in the Excellence in Claims Handling program. Thank you for your attention.